Welcome to the Connect Your Health to Life coaching podcast. I'm your host, Seth Lusk. I'm a master certified self-image coach and empowered health coach with a decade-long background working in the health and wellness industry. If you're anything like me or the clients that I work with, then you're probably struggling with body image, self-image, or confidence issues. You're probably also trying to figure out why it is that you have these amazing desires for living your healthiest and most fulfilling life, but you can't seem to create consistent actions in your life to reflect those desires. So join me as we dive in deep on what it means to live a fulfilled and authentic life. We're going to look from the perspective of an empowered mindset and uncover reasons why you might be what's holding yourself back from living your most fulfilling life. I'm going to break through some of the biggest illusions and myths that we've all been taught to believe along the way. And I'm so excited to have you with me on this journey. So my only question for you is, are you ready to start living your most authentic and fulfilling life once and for all? Then let's get started, shall we? Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. For those of you listening in for the first time, welcome, welcome. We are now on episode number 43, and for those of you listening in for the first time and for your 43rd time, you picked an interesting topic to listen in on. I say it every week, and I'm going to say it again this week, because it's true. This is such an interesting topic that we're going to talk about today, but not only interesting it's super empowering and such a, an impactful topic, one that is applicable, I think, just across humanity in general. I don't think that there's anyone out there that could possibly be listening to this that wouldn't get something from understanding this subject that we're going to speak on today a little bit deeper. Because, my friends, I, w- I want to preface this episode with saying I talk about a lot of things on this podcast. And I want to say that by no means, because I'm on here talking to you all about it, am I trying to say that I'm perfect with this and that I've got it all together and that I'm just, you know, the world's best person at practicing these things that I'm talking to you all about. But what I'm here to say is that I practice these things because I truly believe them. I live what I teach you all. And I am learning and growing in these practices just as I'm teaching you all this. And that is why... (laughs) I am such an effective coach is because I'm not teaching you all these these concepts, these ideas from a theoretical standpoint. I'm teach I'm talking to you all about this from real life experience. These are things that I have been dealing with and I am working through and have been working through for years. And so I have the real life experience as well as the compassion of understanding what it's like to go through these things in life and what that feels like. So my friends, what we're going to talk about today, I am by no means saying that I've got it all down and I've just got it perfect and I'm not going to grow anymore in this or learn anymore about it. And I'm excited to grow in this area alongside you guys. And even, you know, I'm sure I'm going to talk about this again on the podcast in the future as I learn more about this as I grow in it. But today, what we are talking about, some of you are like, get to the point, Seth, come on. Um, What we're talking about today is living a life of aligned and fulfilling proactive action versus living a life of reactive crisis management. And that's a lot. I know that's a a big topic. And some of you guys are kind of scratching your head like, what in the world is this even about? So let's dive in. Um, I think 
first things first, as usual, I'm going to start off with two definitions here for you guys, the f- just so we can understand the, the very basics of what we're talking about here today. What is the definition of being reactive? So if we're living a life of reactive crisis management, what does being reactive actually mean? It means acting in response to a situation or circumstance after it has happened. And some of you all are like, well, isn't that how life works? You know, things happen and then we respond to it. Well, yes and no. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the no part of that. Yes, life happens. And yes, we respond to life as life is happening. But there is an an aspect of your life, a huge component of your life that is within your power that you can be proactive about, not reactive. So what is proactive? Proactive is creating a situation rather than reacting to it or responding to it after it has happened. So we're creating the situation, okay? So why is it important to be proactive instead of reactive in life? Well, in these definitions that I just told you, I think we can already kind of see how this may be a bit beneficial. So when we are proactive in our life, we create basically the playing field on which our life will be happening. We know the boundaries of it. We know the areas where the ground is softer and unable to support so much, but is maybe a good place to rest. And we know the places where the ground may be a little bit harder and able to support more weight. We know exactly where to go and lean, stand, or lay on this field, depending on the circumstance in life and according to what our immediate and long-term goals are. So when we are proactive in life, we're able to see and know all of that very deeply Okay, so when we are proactive about life, we are more deeply aware and more consistently aware of our long term and short term goals. And therefore, we're able to be more clear on how to take actions in current situations that will align us more with those goals rather than distract us from them. When we are proactive in life, we have fewer crises to react to in life. And when a crisis does arise, we have our lives managed well enough to shift things around and create time and space to respond to the crisis without all of the other areas of our life falling apart and suffering for us giving the crisis some time to manage. So it's basically like we're able to manage crises when they, when they truly come up without it derailing us from our mission in life. When we are proactive about our life, we create more undistracted quality time to spend on things in our life that are genuinely important to us, okay? So then the question becomes, if this is so obvious and if this is true, why is it so, why is it that so many people are living in reactivity and struggling with that reactivity and seeing life as something to be reactive to? And what does that even look like when someone is living a reactive life? Okay, I want to answer these questions for you all today. This is super, super important to get clear on. You may even be wondering whether or not you are living a life of reactivity or proactivity because this can get a little bit tricky to recognize. And depending on your mindset, you could be thinking you're being proactive when actually you're being reactive. So I want to start off by going through a list of ways that you can recognize if you are living a life of reactivity. If you listened in um, on my Instagram this past week, you know I did a reel where I mentioned one of the biggest ways in which you can notice in your life a pattern that is 
very indicative of the fact that you are living a life of reactivity. So I want to go through now a, a more extensive list of ways that you can recognize a life of reactivity in crisis management. Because I know a lot of you out there are thinking that life is just full of crises and life is just chaotic and so uncertain and you can never get anything done because life is happening against you and crises are constantly happening to you and you have to constantly try and manage these crises. So I want to get you to a point where you might begin to recognize today, if that's how you see life, that maybe just maybe you'll begin to consider that you're looking at life in this way and therefore finding more crises than actually exist in your life. And that some of the crises that you're responding to are self-created. And that's not for blame. That's not for feeling guilt or shame about it. This is so that you can become aware of how you're creating the, the, the situation that you are currently in right now in your life. Okay. So here are some of the major symptoms of a life of reactivity and crisis management. Number one is procrastination, my friends. (laughs) When a person is reactive in their life, oftentimes they put off doing the things that are important to them until there is this pressing urgency to get it done. Or there there may be like a deadline on the thing that they, they want to do and they wait until the deadline is so imminent that they have to hurry up and get it done. And so literally the thing that they wanted to do becomes a crisis in their life. Once the deadline is close enough that if they don't begin right then, they won't finish the project or task in time. And there's fear and panic and about judgment and failure. And this outweighs the fear of doing the uncomfortable work that they've been procrastinating on. And so therefore, they haven't completed the task yet. Okay, so my friends, procrastination is a huge sign that you are living a life of reactivity and a life of crisis management, not a life of proactive and fulfilling action. Okay, the second symptom that I've noticed a lot in people is that there are lots of last-minute deadlines on tasks. So because this person is constantly procrastinating, or if you recognize this in your life, you might be constantly procrastinating because you're doing this, people who live a life of reactivity and crisis management oftentimes feel that they can't gain a sense of sovereignty and control over how their time is spent because they find themselves in the midst of a pile of last minute deadlines that are too much for them to manage and complete. And this is because the things that are important to them, they've been procrastinating. They haven't been doing it, and they've been waiting for it to become urgent, a crisis for them, before they start to do it. So I want to introduce to you guys this concept of the fact that there are things in life that are both urgent and not urgent, important and unimportant. And Stephen Covey introduces this model in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talks about the fact that there are so many people in this world that live in what he calls quadrant one, or they spend 90% of their time in quadrant one, which is basically the urgent and important. And what this means is that people have been putting off the things that are important to them until they become urgent before they pay attention to them. Instead of being proactive and taking care of the things that are important to them before they become an urgent matter, they wait until they're urgent to do them. And so everything in their life becomes a crisis to manage, a fire to put out, something that they have to hurry up and get done. And that's so exhausting. So people that, that 
stay in quadrant one or focus in quadrant one also find themselves yo-yoing or bouncing back and forth between quadrant one and what Stephen Covey calls quadrant four which is basically the unimportant and the unurgent. This is things like sitting down and binge-watching Netflix, eating a ton of food to distract yourself from doing something, drinking a bunch of alcohol to numb yourself, or even just having a little bit of alcohol to numb yourself to what's bothering you in life, um, playing on your phone when you want to be you know, doing something that's proactive in your self-care, uh, you know, watching television. Um, there can be so many different things. Posting on social media, getting into an argument on social media because you don't want to start a task that is important to you that you're afraid to begin. So I want to begin to introduce this idea to you all that, that there are so many people in this world that are putting all of their focus into quadrant one. Literally 90% of their focus goes into quadrant one because they've been procrastinating all the things that are important to them until they become urgent before they do them. And so they get so overwhelmed and tired from living in that energy of crisis mode all of the time that when they're not in crisis mode, the other 10% of their life is spent numbing themselves out and distracting themselves from what's important to them in life. So nothing that is actually important to them in life gets proactively paid attention to and gets the time that it actually needs for it to become something that is value-based and that it moves them ahead in life to where they feel in an empowered position in their life. So yeah, symptom number two that I notice is lots of last-minute deadlines on tasks. The next thing that I notice a lot in people's lives is that are living in reactivity is that most of their tasks that they complete are deadline driven. And this goes back to the procrastination. People who live a life of reactivity will only complete a task that has a deadline. Anything that is a task that they want to do that is important to them in their life that doesn't have an urgent deadline, it gets shoved to the back of the pile of urgent tasks. And so they never actually get to it. No matter how important that task is to their emotional health, to their mental health, or even their physical health, they only focus on the urgent deadline-driven tasks. And I see this happen so much and so sadly in people's health. Their, their body will literally be falling apart, but they're still in crisis management. They will only do anything to better their physical health once it becomes a crisis, once it becomes a diagnosis from a doctor. You know, before it becoming a diagnosis, they don't do anything about it. I know people that for years were pre-diabetic and could have done something to prevent pre-diabetes from becoming type 2 diabetes, but they didn't start managing their emotional eating issues. They didn't start managing their emotions that led to the emotional eating issues. They didn't start managing the beliefs that they had that led to the emotions that they were ignoring that led to the emotional eating issues. They didn't do any of that didn't even begin to start doing that until they get the diagnosis of type 2 diabetes from their doctor. And then it becomes an urgent matter. And then they're in crisis mode, trying to deal with their diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. My friends, I see this happen all the time in people's lives, not just with type 2 diabetes, with many other things in life, but it's sad to me to see that so many people live a life where they are only reactive to issues going on in their health once it becomes an urgent matter or a crisis for them. Prior to that, there's no proactive self-care. They can't be bothered with taking the time to understand what's going on in their life and why it is that their body is slowly starting to move towards disease. Okay, so... Next symptom that I see for a lot of people that are living a life of reactivity is that they have a lot of unforeseen events 
in their life. So people who live a life of reactivity constantly find themselves in positions where something unforeseen just quote-unquote pops up. And it gets all of their time and attention to manage it. All of it. And I know that some of you are going to argue with me here or be like, you know what, Seth, screw you. Because you're thinking that this is just how life works, that there is chaos and unpredictability. And yes, this is true. There is chaos and unpredictability in life, which is why we want to be living a life of proactivity. But if you're living a life of reactivity, then this is what happens. You end up with these unforeseen events in life. If you find yourself in this situation of unforeseen events more and more frequently, then this is not a sign of life just being unpredictable and chaotic. This is a sign that you are not taking proactive action in your life to be able to manage your life and somewhat forecast how things are going to be going on in your life based on how you have prioritized and managed it. So then any sort of unpredictable anything in life becomes this unforeseen crisis event that has to be dealt with right then and there. The truth is that crises do occur in life, and we can't predict all of those, or even most of them. I'm not even trying to say that, but here's the thing. When life is managed, and you prioritize the things that are are important to you, these crises become something that we're able to respond to in a peaceful and confident way. And when we're responding to these crises, they don't completely derail us in our life from what is important to us even if in the moment it takes our focus and our time to handle it. And you might be wondering, so how will I know whether or not these crises in my life or these unpredictable things or unforeseen events in my life are actually real crises or if it's because I haven't managed my life? So here's a way you can know the difference. You will know the difference of whether or not your unforeseen crises are a result of life being life or if it's a lack of management and proactivity in life by what happens after you've managed the crisis. And here's what I mean by that. Does managing the crisis create another crisis for you? If so, then this is a sign of an unmanaged reactive life. I see so many people that while they're trying to manage a crisis, it creates another crisis in their life because they're literally just, their life is just fires waiting to happen because they haven't proactively taken care of anything in their life. They don't know what's important to them. They don't know what they want out of life. And so they're just constantly reacting to things and everything is on edge, ready to burn. It's like everything is doused in gasoline and there are just a million lit matches sitting there waiting to drop. In their life, everywhere. So putting out one flame just means another flame gets started somewhere else. So if managing that crisis causes another crisis, this is a huge sign that you're living an unmanaged reactive life. Another way to recognize this is, does managing the crisis derail you from your plans to carry out your personal life mission or your personal mission in life? And what I mean by that is, sure, when crises, real crises happen, do we have to sometimes reprioritize things in that moment? And some things that are important to us become a little bit secondary important to the crisis in that moment until the crisis is managed. Absolutely. If a close relative is dying, obviously, we take the time to care for that relative in any way that we feel led to do so that is truly our unique and authentic calling to do so, not out of people-pleasing, not out of because we think it makes us a good person, but because that is our true calling. Of course, I'm not trying to suggest not doing that, but here's the thing, and here's what I see happening with a lot of people, 
is that they'll manage a crisis, they'll deal with a crisis, say it's a death of a loved one or someone close to them, and then after managing the crisis, they literally throw their goals out the window. Like, what's the point? If life is going to be like this, if crises are going to happen and I have to manage them, then screw goals. I don't I don't care about it anymore. I give up. It's just life is too hard. Bad things happen. So what's the point in trying to do things that I want to do in life? That's how you will know whether or not you're living a life of reactivity or proactivity is if after managing the crisis, you find yourself completely derailed from your plans to carry on your, your personal life mission. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what the personal life mission or the personal mission in life actually is. We'll get to that later. But just know that that is one way to recognize whether or not this is a true crisis in life, a true unforeseen event, or whether or not this is you living a life of unmanaged uh, reactivity. Okay, another way to recognize it is, does managing this crisis create fear of life and its possibilities? If so, then this is also a huge sign that you're living a life that is reactive and not rooted in authentic values and vision. goes back to what I said before. If it derails you from your plans because you slip into fear of life in general because, quote-unquote, bad things happen, so what's the point? Okay, so another way to recognize this is, does managing this crisis become a time of appreciation for you and what you've been able to do in it? Does it create an opportunity for you to learn and create new and creative solutions in your life so that if a crisis like this emerges in the future again, you will know even more deeply how you want to manage it in a way that is authentic and empowering for you? If that's what happens when you go through this crisis, then guess what? This is a sign that you're living a proactive life and that this crisis was a genuine crisis that occurred in life that couldn't have been foreseen and you're learning from it, you're growing from it, and you're using even this crisis as a way to be proactive in your life and not to make it be a reason why life is happening against you and to derail you from doing the things in your life that you're here to do, that you're called to do. Okay, so let's go back to some more symptoms of living a life of reactivity. Lots of emergency meetings. Have you ever had that friend who is consistently changing plans or canceling plans because of some emergency meeting? I have. Have you ever been that friend? <laughs> I have also been that friend. My friends, this is a huge sign of that this reactive life that we're talking about here. Emergency meetings are a sign of an area that is asking for more proactivity in life. Sure, sometimes, like I said, sometimes like unforeseen events happen. Sometimes emergency meetings do happen when something new pops up. But if you find them happening frequently and for reasons that are similar or the same as previous emergency meetings, then this is a sign that you've been avoiding some areas of your life that are asking for some proactive thought and action. So pay attention to those emergency meetings. If this is a pattern, if there is a pattern to them, or there is a common theme in the themes of those meetings, then knowing this will help you find the area of an area of your life that is asking for more proactive thought, more proactive work, and proactive solutions. Okay? So lots of emergency meetings is a sign of a reactive life, my friends. Another sign, other people's minor issues get a lot of your time and attention. This is for those of you out there that self-identify as a people pleaser, or maybe you don't identify as a people pleaser, but you act a lot on your people pleasing nature. You become a, what I call a yes person. You just say yes to everything that gets thrown into your lap. Someone comes to you with a crisis and wanting a solution, and their crisis becomes yours to solve. 
And the solving process takes away your time and energy and attention from the important tasks that you had planned to do. Now, in life, a life of value, contribution, and relationships, relationships are important. So I'm not trying to say that relationships aren't important here. So there is a caveat here. Sometimes in life, a person that is close to us or close to you will come with a crisis and may ask for a bit of your time that you may have planned for other things. Or they may ask for more of your time than you had planned for them. And in that moment, a choice can be made in which the relationship with that person and your role in their life as either a pillar, a leader, a parent, a boss, whatever asks that you temporarily put aside your plans to help them. This can happen. But see, here's the thing. This is where I see a lot of people get lost here. There is a way to help a person in a way that shows the person how to manage situations like this in the future for themselves. And then there is a way to teach this person to be dependent on you to manage their crises for them every time they come up. And this is the difference between being a leader and in true management versus being a micromanager or an action manager. So basically just someone who constantly tries to manage the little behaviors of the person versus teaching them how to have sovereignty and domain and power and tools to do these things in life. It's important that after assisting this person in managing their crisis, that they are they feel equipped with the tools and the clear vision to understand how to navigate situations like that proactively in their future so that they do not become a crisis for them again, that they then just bring to you and require for you to fix it for them again. Okay? So again, I'm not trying to say that every time someone comes to you with a crisis that you should just be like, oh no, this is a crisis and it's someone else's, it's not mine, so I'm not going to help you with it. I'm not trying to say that. There are times in life where we truly want to help people in a crisis because we have in our mission in life adopted a role for this person, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, what what these roles are in which we would be someone that this person would come to for help with a crisis. But here's the big difference here. Here's going to be the key is do you teach this person how to become dependent on you to manage their crises or do you teach them how to independently manage their own crises? I know this is hard for people that really identify with their people-pleasing nature. And they call managing other people's crises being a servant or being a helpful person, quote-unquote, or being, quote-unquote, stewardship-oriented, whatever you want to call it. If you're finding yourself managing other people's crises for them regularly or finding that managing these crises is coming at the expense of your own important tasks and them becoming a crisis for you to then manage later, then this is not being helpful to anyone, not you or anyone around you. You are basically teaching people to be dependent on you for something that you can only manage for so long before your own reactive life becomes so unmanaged and you're so burnt out that you can no longer even pretend to help other people, much less yourself. So the key here is to know the difference in two different places. Number one, who are the people that you have adopted a role in your genuine mission in life in which you would help them manage these crises in a way that serves you also in your mission in life in that role that you you are wanting to play to accomplish your mission. And again, we're going to talk about these roles later. So knowing that, knowing the difference between those people and the people who are just coming to you to, to use you, to try and distract you from the things that are important to you in life, 
because they don't want to manage their own lives and they notice that if they come to you, you'll do the work for them and they don't have to do it then. So you become their crisis management for them, which then just puts you in more crisis management in your own life. So knowing the difference between these two types of people in your life and number the next thing to notice the difference between is when you manage a crisis for someone who you genuinely want to play a role in their life where you help them in situations like this. Are you teaching this person to become dependent on you to manage their crises? Or are you being a leader and a true manager in their life and helping them find solutions in which in the future they're able to navigate situations like this for themselves? Those things are so crucial and being able to to see whether or not this is you living a life of reactivity or you living a life of proactivity is how you handle these kind of situations, okay? And how you see the people and how you choose to or not to help other people in their moments of crisis, okay? So here's another symptom of living a life of crisis and uh, reactivity, crisis management and reactivity, is that there are lots of needless interruptions in your life, but they feel important in the moment. Usually you don't notice until in hindsight that it could have waited, I'm talking about phone calls that could have waited. I'm talking about emails that you felt like you needed to respond to immediately while you were in the middle of doing something important, not urgent, something important to you. A text notification in the middle of a person-to-person conversation with someone who you truly value in life that you just find yourself like you can't wait until the conversation is over in front of you for you to check and read that message. Um, I'm talking about people constantly interrupting you to ask you for your assistance because they've learned to be dependent on you to do things for them. And this also means, I'm going to step on some toes here, parents of children. I know sometimes it can feel scary to teach your children to do things on their own and independently of your help. And I'm not trying to say rush your children into doing everything by themselves. I want to be clear here about this. But I want you to notice something. I see a lot of parents that get stuck in this trap of micromanaging their kids. Because they're afraid to teach kids to do things on their own, usually out of fear of two things. Number one, fear of not feeling needed. Their children constantly coming to them and asking for their help, they feel that that means that they're loved and that they're needed in their child's life. And they're afraid that their child will no longer need them if they're not managing all of their problems and their crises for them. And so the parent's life becomes the life of crisis management and needless interruptions because the parent can't get anything done that's important in their life because they're constantly reacting to what's going on in their kid's life. And their kids are constantly interrupting that the parents anything that the parent's trying to do because the kid doesn't know how to do anything on their own because the parent is afraid to teach them how to do it. So if you are a parent and this sounds like maybe a pattern you have with your kids, I'm again, I'm not trying to say... That your job as a parent is to hurry up and just brush off all responsibility on your kids and have them doing everything on their own. But I want you to ask yourself, if you're struggling with finding time to do the things that are important for you in your self-care, to manage your life and to get ahead with things in your life to where you can proactively manage your life and show up in your life to where you have time, you have space, you have prioritize time for your family and kids in which you're not in crisis mode from work or something else going on in your life. And you can literally sit down and be present with your family and your kids because you have nothing to worry about in that time other than spending time with them. If you find yourself in a life where you're unable to do that, I want you to ask yourself, is this because I'm constantly trying to micromanage my kids? 
and teaching them to be dependent on me for everything because I'm either afraid to let go of that and that they might not need me and that makes me less valuable or less important to them or less lovable by them? Or is it a fear of them, you know, just being able to do things on their own? A fear of, of your, your kids learning to do stuff by themselves. Maybe something from your childhood that you have a fear about that you haven't managed yet because you've been in reactivity in your life. And you're putting that same fear on your kids. And so you're holding your kids back from learning to do things on your own, on their own, because of a fear that you have from your childhood. I want you to honestly look at that. And again, I'm not trying to tell you how to raise your kids, but I'm here to say as a coach, I see this happen so often with parents. I will give them things. Hey, this is something that you're going to want to start working on now to start getting into a position of feeling empowered and fulfilled in your life. And they're just like, oh, I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. I've got to help my kids with this, and then I've got to do this with my kids, and then what if my kids need me for this, and then my kids, and then my kids, and my kids, and my kids. And I'm like, okay, so stop. Parent is only one role in your life. (laughs) Parenting is only one role out of the many that you have in your life. If it has become your only role, then I need you to evaluate why that's happening. And a lot of times what I find in these parents' lives that I'm, I'm talking to about this, where they give me excuse after excuse as to why they can't proactively start doing things in their life that they know would be beneficial for them, that they know would help them live a life of proactivity in which they'd actually show up as better role models for their kids and teach them how to live a life of proactivity for themselves instead of being in constant crisis management. Usually when I see this happening, it is because of the fact that they are not teaching their kids to do things on their own. And they're needlessly being interrupted constantly when they, when they want to be doing things that are important for them that would help them get ahead in life, get to a place where they are the person that they want to show up as and actually be a better parent. Parents, please look into that. If this is something, a pattern that you notice in your life that you feel like, I can't take on anything that involves my self-care. I can't do anything proactive about my goals in life because I have my kids to take care of. I want you to take a long, deep look at how much you might be micromanaging your kids and teaching them to be dependent on you for things because of your fear, not because it's actually dangerous for them to learn how to do this on their own, but because of your fear of them learning to do this on your own, whatever that reason for that fear might be. And there can be a lot of reasons. I would encourage you to work with a coach through this. Because there could be a lot of reasons why you might be holding on to that. Okay, so moving on. Next symptom of living a life of reactivity is that you will notice that you feel that it is commonly understood and acceptable by others that it's okay for them to be left waiting while you handle a crisis. Or that you don't follow through with plans because you're handling a crisis. So if you find yourself with a belief in your life that this is common practice and that it's okay and understood by other people and acceptable by other people that you leave them waiting on you or don't follow through with plans for them because you're handling a crisis, this is a sign of a reactive life in crisis management. And of course, like I said, chaos and unpredictability in life can create situations in which this happens. But I want you to take an honest look. If you notice this happening frequently or if it's a pattern in your life, look honestly here because if there is a pattern of it, then this is not being life. This is not life being life. It is you being reactive in that life and not proactive, okay? All right. So 
The next symptom I see, you find yourself embellishing crisis or crises in your life to make them sound harder to manage or more extreme or more dramatic than they are in order to justify focusing on it at the cost of losing time and focus on another commitment or plan, i.e. I'm talking about like health concerns or, for example, um, health concerns from a relative or a parent or just a loved one and you catastrophizing those health concerns in order to justify focusing on it to take your focus off of something or a plan, something that you had already committed to. Um, Another example could be like car troubles, a home crisis, a fight that you're having with your spouse or your loved one and you, you dramatize it or you embellish it in order to want to justify focusing on it over the things that are important in your life. If you find yourself wanting to embellish the details of any event in your life to make it more seem more like a crisis in order for you to justify prioritizing it over something else that is important in your life or another commitment that you made, then this is a huge sign that you are living a life of reactivity and crisis management. Um, another symptom is that you may feel more productive or less productive according to the number of tasks that you accomplish in a day. That's a, that's another big sign that I see. People that they feel um, like they're more successful in life depending on the number of tasks that they complete in a day. That's a big sign. All right, another symptom is you find yourself thinking and hoping that one day you'll be able to do what you really want to do in life. My friends, if you notice this thought coming up at all, much less frequently <laughs> at work, at home, then this is a huge sign that you're living a life of reactivity instead of being proactive in your life and creating action that aligns you with those values and your mission in life. So you'll be able to do what you really want to do. So if you notice that thought or thinking to yourself frequently or even not so frequently that hopefully one day you'll be able to do what you really want to do, my friends, that's a huge sign you're living a life of reactivity. Another sign is that you feel more frequently than not that you're rushing between places and events. I know that people in the U.S. wear this like a badge of honor, and so I stepped on a lot of toes there. Feel me stepping on your toes here. I'm meaning to step on your toes. It's not a badge of honor to be rushing between places and events frequently. That is not a good sign in life, okay? Um, Another sign is that you find yourself being preoccupied with multiple tasks at once when your true desire is to focus on one specific task, okay? Another sign is you feel as if solving crisis in life or solving crises in life offers you in your day more meaning or purpose. Think about that if you notice that pattern in your life. Another sign is you find yourself blaming circumstances in your life as being too chaotic or too stressful and that that's the reason why you keep putting off any sort of introspective time with yourself or self-work, self-help work. Or um, as the reason for putting off doing something that you know would be good for you if you would just take the time to prioritize it. That's a huge symptom, okay? Another one is you find yourself feeling like you are about to burn out in life. And my friends, that stepped on a ton of toes there. Especially I know my American friends. Because people in the U.S. almost wear burnout like it's a badge of honor. My friends, burnout is not a normal pattern in life. It is a sign of a life of reactivity and crisis management. It is not a sign that you're a hard worker. It's a a sign that you're an inefficient and ineffective worker. 
It is not a badge of honor that you have accomplished a lot in life. It's actually a sign that you're not managing your life and you're not accomplishing anything that's important to you in life. Instead, you're spending your time being ineffective and taking a bunch of ineffective and unimportant actions towards tasks that feel urgent, that provide no value to your life or to your mission in life. I want you to really pay attention to me here when I say this. Burnout is not a normal pattern. It is not a pattern of someone who is successful in life. It is not a pattern of someone who is just um, driven to success in life, or as some people call it, like an A-type personality, a high achiever. Burnout is not a badge of honor, like a tip of the hat to, oh yes, you must be one of those really hardworking, successful people in life. No, burnout is a sign of the exact opposite. You are taking highly ineffective actions in your life, which is why you feel burnt out. Okay, so another sign is that you feel yourself thinking quite often or feeling quite often that you need a break from life, whether that be daily, weekly, or monthly, or even yearly, (laughs) I would say. And I know we all take vacations yearly, and I'm not trying to say you should never take trips or, you know, shift and, and take, a, take some time away from work and, and go do something else. And I've, I'm not trying to say that. But if your vacations are a way to try and escape life because you feel like you're about to burn out and you just need a break from your stressful life and so you need a vacation, if you notice this when you take your vacations, that's a sign. Or if on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis, this is also a sign. So if you see yourself in the evenings or on the weekends wanting to escape your life into television, into alcohol, food, porn, sex, social media, games on your phone, um, some popular comforting new activity that distracts you, watching posts on, on Instagram, on Facebook about cute puppies that make it so you don't think about your life, and then afterwards you find yourself wishing that you had done something like finally starting that journal that you wanted to start. Finally starting to look at and manage the kinds of foods that you're putting into your body because you notice a lot of health issues. You notice your waistline constantly getting bigger and bigger and bigger because you can't stop eating. Or if you find yourself doing these things instead of reading that book that you bought on self-help. Or instead of signing up for that class that you want to take that's going to help you get the job that you want or the promotion that you're looking for. If you find yourself wanting to escape regularly into these activities that distract you from the things that you know, if you started them, that you would probably benefit from it and start creating a life that you want to be living. If you find yourself instead doing other activities because you're too tired, you're too burnt out, you just need a break. You just need to take the edge off. I just need to not think for a little while. That's one I hear all the time. Then my friends, this is probably one of the biggest signs of all that you're living a life of reactivity and crisis management. If you find yourself bouncing back and forth between feeling stressed and feeling like you're about to break, burn out, snap, or blow up, and then you find yourself trying to find some activity that numbs that feeling or distracts you from that feeling or takes the quote-unquote the edge off of that feeling or calms you down, comforts you, having that little glass of wine that we talk about so innocently after work because I just need to calm down from work, My friends, this is a sign that you are living a life of reactivity and not proactive management. And I'm not trying to say you can't ever have wine. 
but listen to the why behind having the wine. If you're having the wine because you need to wind down from your stressful day, you need to calm yourself down from your stressful day, you need to take the edge off from your stressful day, then that's a sign, my friends, that you are most assuredly living a life of reactivity and crisis management. And my friends, continuing these activities will most certainly keep you in a cycle of feeling unfulfilled and disempowered in your life until you decide to start taking steps to create a proactive and value-centered life. And I promise you, I promise you this, I am not telling you any of this or pointing out any of these signs or symptoms because I want you to feel guilty or bad about yourself. I want you to feel empowered. Because I'm telling you this because I want you to recognize the pattern in your life. I want you to see it for what it is. Because only then can you start to become aware of it and the, the fact that it's creating what's going on in your life and why you feel unfulfilled in life. And I want to promise you this. You have every power and tool necessary to be able to shift that. And I'm going to show you how right now. Okay, so how does a person move out of a life of reactivity and crisis management and into a life of proactive and aligned action? The first thing is, like I said, to become fully aware and accept that you are currently living a life of reactive crisis management, which is why I brought up all of those symptoms. And I know a lot of you were pulling back feet because I stepped on a toe and you're like, ow, that hurt. Ow, that hurt. My friends... That is the sign. If I was stepping on your toes there, if you felt some little, maybe some jabs of guilt in there, I don't want you to feel guilty. Trust me, I don't want you to feel guilty. But that's a sign that part of you is wanting to wake up to be like, hey, guess what? That's, that's us. Pay attention. Lean in here. Don't ignore this. Don't turn away from it. Okay? So the first step is for you to become aware and accept that you are currently living a life of crisis management. And by accept, that doesn't mean that we accept that you want to stay there forever, but you are wanting to stay there now. And you might, what do you mean I want to stay there now? No, if I'm living a life of crisis management, I want to get out of here. Okay, so it is about fully accepting that you are there right now because you wanted to be. You wanted to be up until this point. And you want to understand why you are wanting to be there right now. Not why you're wanting to stay there. We're not talking about wanting to stay there. But we don't do things in our life unless there's a payoff. Unless there's a reason why we're doing it. We don't do things for no reason, okay? So don't be like, oh, that was just so stupid of me. I don't know why I was doing that. I'm just going to stop doing it now. No, no, don't don't let your mind do that to you. Remember, your mind is a tool. You tell it what to do for you, okay? So we're going to tell the mind, no, I'm not accepting the I don't know and the let's not look there. We're going to look there. We want to know the why. Why is it that you have chosen to stay there this long? And that's important to know. Because understanding this why will help you to begin to see the illusion of why you have chosen over and over to be that to stay in that pattern of living. And as with all changes in life, like I said before, awareness comes first. But awareness is not fully attained without acceptance. And acceptance is about the now, not about the future, not about the past. It's about accepting the now. This is where I am now. And then we can move into fully understanding the why that has been motivating you up until this point right now that you are accepting, where you recognize that you want to change something. Okay? If you do not take the time to understand that why, then you are bound to repeat it. Because the belief behind why you chose to keep repeating that cycle over and over again won't vanish. I promise you that. You can change the behaviors. That belief is not going to vanish on its own. 
It stays with you and it will resurface again in your life. And if you do not take time to understand the why and the illusion behind it, then the next time that belief pops up, the illusion of that belief behind the why you've been stuck in this cycle for so long, you'll believe it again. And you'll go right back to that same behavior pattern that you were attempting to change before. So becoming fully aware of where exactly you are in your life with this crisis management and reactivity and why is so crucial. So once we've reached that, we're able to move on to steps to create change. The next step would be to take time to understand yourself at a deeper core level. And I'm talking about our core values, what you're sensitive to in life. What awakens you? This means understanding what is truly important to you in this life and what drives you. What pulls you into feeling alive and excited about life and wanting to create something that you feel aligned with. Then you want to make sure that you understand the essence of that thing that you're wanting to create, not just the form of it. And if you're confused about what I'm saying there when I say essence versus form, go back and listen to last week's episode about essence versus form to clarify that. Once you have that clear, come back here and listen to this, okay? Because it's important to know the essence of it. And then it's important to begin to prioritize the values and the things that you're sensitive to in life, the things that awaken you in life, that are the essence of the thing you're wanting to create. And then you're going to want to start making those the basis for the actions that you prioritize in your life. And how you're going to create your mission in life and why. So I have an exercise that I give all of my clients that takes them through a process that discovers their genuine values in life. And you might be wondering why I keep saying genuine values or true values. And this is because I'm not talking about the values you think you should believe because they make you a good person. I'm not talking about the values that you think make people good people or that your parents told you were good that you should have or that your pastor told you were good that you should have or that you saw on television somewhere that someone else had and you thought, oh, they're a good person. I want to be more like that. I'm not talking about those values. I'm talking about the values that you have aligned with since you first came on this planet as a baby. And this exercise helps people discover those values and why they are so drawn to them. Okay? So once you have your values identified and prioritized, then you're going to want to take time to understand your true desires in life. What it is that you're here to create and contribute in this life. And here's where that essence versus form is important. You want to know what lights you up on the inside when no one else's opinion matters and that this is something that you are truly wanting to create in life based on what is important to you and your genuine values in life. That's the essence of what you're wanting, the the part that aligns with what you're wanting to feel, the part that aligns with what's valuable to you in life. So you'll want to take this and then the next step is you're going to want to craft a life mission statement. And I'm not talking about one of these like lofty, abstract mission statements that you see businesses create that they never really follow. They're just kind of like some, you know, cool concept that you see hung up on the wall that's, you know, just there to look at and be like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool if people did that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a personal life mission statement that's in a language that is yours, that excites you about your life, aligning with your values and what is important to you. How will you know if it's something important? Does it align with your values? Does it get you closer to your genuine goals in life? If the answer is yes to these questions, then it's something that is important to you. Okay? So I'm talking about crafting a mission statement like this. And I want you to take your time with it. Okay? 
I want you to take your time with this mission statement and make it as exciting and authentic and genuine for you. And I know this can be maybe a bit confusing, so maybe you want to go online and look up some mission statements to get some ideas, get inspired of maybe how you want to put this, but make it yours. I'm going to read you here my mission statement just so you can have an idea of, of what one might sound like. So... My journey in this life is to use this opportunity of life to explore deeply the truth of unconditional love and to live the truth that I find out loud, as loud as I can. My life is an example to people of what is possible when we fearlessly explore and practice unconditional love, deep openness to truth, and unashamed authenticity. My life is here to reflect this to others and guide them into their own authentic, fulfilling, and unconditional love-filled path. That's my mission statement, okay? So you can go online and and look up some templates. I think Stephen Covey has a great one online, so you're going to want to look, maybe look one up to get some inspiration, but I want you to take your time in crafting this mission statement, and don't feel like it's this daunting task and you have to create it and it's solid. No, my friends, I probably edit my mission statement every month or two and you know after a while maybe you edit a little bit less but mission statements are designed to also be flexible and to be edited in life as we learn more concise ways to um, communicate the mission statement to ourselves to make it clearer to ourselves we may add things in we may subtract parts out that we realize that doesn't really need to be said there so you're not stuck with this mission statement in its wording that you come up with you can change it as you go Okay, so spend some time with it. Once you have that mission statement crafted, you're going to align it with your powerful why. Why is it that you want to follow this mission in life? Write that down. Okay, so you're going to write down your why. Your reason why you're going to craft this mission in life, remember, it's going to go back to something that you want to feel, something that you want to contribute. It's not about impressing other people. It's not about how other people are going to think about you. It is about something that genuinely aligns with you, your values, and what you want to create in this life. And then we move on to the how, okay? So how are you going to accomplish this mission in life? For instance, with my mission, I have tools that I will use to help me accomplish this mission in my life. Okay, so some of the tools that I'm going to use, I'm going to go through these with you guys. I'm giving you all examples here just so you can have an idea. So one of the tools that I have, I have presence to be in any moment in my life with a person, fully present, seeking absolute truth with them, beside them, without trying to escape it, without judgment, but to see it fully with peace and love. I have love that is unconditional to allow me to be in that non-judgment of myself and therefore other people. And this allows me to see my full worth and my acceptability as a human and therefore able to see anyone else's. I have courage. I have courage to feel my fear without shame and to encourage others to do the same and to be present with them in their fear, knowing that through it is their answer, not avoiding it or escaping it, even when it feels uncomfortable. Courage is the tool that allows me to face any belief, any circumstance with non-judgment, and allows me to move into any discomfort that I might feel with curiosity instead. Even as I shake, even as I feel my fear, courage is my tool. I have faith. I have faith that my purpose is clear. Faith that even when the path appears unclear to me, 
that it is leading me exactly to where I'm designed to go, and therefore it is so clear. I have faith that humanity wants to heal, even when they may not see it. I have faith that grounds me in a deep inner peace, and this can't be taken away. And I have faith that I am here to co-create with the universe, and the universe is doing that with me. I will accomplish this with sacrifice of immediate gratification to pursue my true desires in life. I will align my actions to my values and have a focus on my values, not just my immediate comfort. I will inspire by living a life that aligns with what I teach. And as I face life with love and acceptance and powerful action that is aligned with the essence of who I am in life, I will inspire. I am genuine and authentic, and I do what aligns with that, not what is expected of me. I say no to things that may be popular, but are not true for me or my essence in life. So my friends, those are my how. Those are my tools. That is how I will accomplish my mission in life. Okay? So after you identify the tools that you will use to accomplish your mission and how you're going to accomplish it, it's time to look at the roles you will play along in your journey in life. And remember I mentioned this earlier when I talked about helping other people in their crisis and knowing your role in their life and it's your genuine role according to your mission and knowing whether or not it is one in which you want to help them manage this crisis. So these roles will be important in you being able to prioritize proactive action in your life as you create it. Okay, so roles can be things like family roles. Think things like wife, husband, mom, dad, son, daughter, grandma, grandpa, and what that means for you to be those things. Write that out. Write the role down and what, how you want to show up as that role, what it means for you genuinely. You can also think of personal roles or personal development roles, roles like student or the academic, roles like artist. Roles like health guru or athlete, roles like the self-reflector, roles like friend, roles like listener, and how you want to show up as those roles in your life. Um, You can think of professional roles like manager, team worker, leader, supporter, teacher, mentor, coach, encourager, employee. Each of these roles will play specific or will have specific places in your life in which they play out prioritized actions. They will have specific places and times in life in which they will be the primary role and sometimes they will be secondary role. Maybe even sometimes in life, they're a completely unimportant role according to that chapter in your life and what you're trying to accomplish according to your mission, okay? Some new roles will come in as we journey on in our life. Some old roles will no longer serve a purpose for us and we will let them go. But we'll do this with understanding that their importance may return. Okay, so it's important to consider these roles as we begin this journey. It's very important. And it's not to make them solid and attach to them or to be confined by them, by them, because remember, these aren't rigid roles. The reason we want to be clear on these roles and consider them in the beginning is because we're wanting to, again, be proactive. And when we identify these roles ahead of time, we already know When we are in a time in life in which this role becomes a priority for us for that chapter, we already know how we want to show up as that role in our life and how we want to align it with our values and our mission in life. So we're already ready with that. So we can transition fluidly between these roles as needed without misalignment, without confusion, and without losing traction in our mission in life. But this 
comes from the proactive choice of identifying these roles in our life and how we want to use them to help us accomplish our mission statement and how we will authentically play those roles in our life. Now, I know for a lot of people that these mission statements can seem daunting to create. I find that for most people, this is really just because they're not practiced in introspection or they become out of practice with it because of the amount of distractions that they've had or false desires that they filled their life with. Also, for a lot of people that come to me for my coaching, they try to jump straight to creating their mission statement so they can start creating action in their life because they feel in a hurry to get away from where they are. And my friends, I want you to recognize here that desire and that urge because I promise you, it will not serve you to jump straight to creating the mission statement. I want you to follow the steps that I outlined for you. Start with step one. Don't start with the mission statement because you want to hurry up and take action. You start with step one. Know exactly where you are in life and why, truly why. You are living in reaction and crisis management, and you're not doing this because you're stupid and broken. You're doing this to serve a purpose. Many times this purpose is a misguided form of protection, and it's an illusion of a belief that a person has adopted and identified that is not their genuine belief. So you need to take the time to know where you are in life and why so you can identify this and not get back into that cycle later if the belief comes back up because you'll be able to identify it and understand its illusion. But you'll have compassion for yourself and why you chose a different path and why you were on that path up until this point, okay? So then after that, we move into understanding the true authentic core values in life and how we align with them in our essence. Then we want to identify the genuine wants in life that, that align with those core values and why we want to go after those. And remember, we want to know the essence of them, not just the form. So we identify that, make sure that these wants are yours and yours alone without anyone else's opinion involved or without worrying about what other people might think about you for wanting them and then find out how they align with your values. Make sure your why is powerful and aligned with your true values in life. Then you begin to create the mission statement, okay? So don't jump straight to the mission statement. Then you identify your tools and methods for accomplishing that mission. Then you identify the roles you will take on to be able to accomplish that mission. After you've completed all this, you will begin to notice patterns of things in your life that are most important to you, to be focusing on in your actions, and in your time, and in your intentions. This is where you begin organizing and prioritizing your time to match these important actions and these intentions in your life. And you'll do this so that your time becomes immersed and centered in your mission in life and in your very own true values and principles. And the more frequently you begin to focus your intention, your time, your actions here, the more time you will be spending building and creating a life in which important things to you come first and don't end up in the crisis or urgent zone. And then once we're there in life, the crises that emerge are only the true crises that we can't predict. I'm talking things like death, natural disaster, things like that. And when those happen... You will have the time, energy, and focus to know how to align your time and your intention to deal with those crises. You will have the know-how of where these crises fit into your mission in life. And I know that sounds crazy, but you will be able to see it. And how you want to show up for them. And how you want to choose a response to them that serves you to play out your mission in life. And not in a way that drains you. I want to ask you, have you ever seen a person that shows up in a time of crisis and you look at them and you can just tell 
They aren't just quote-unquote holding it together to get through the crisis. You can see it and sense it in their presence that they are just, somehow they're just prepared. And their life is just ready and open to accommodate that crisis. With powerful intention, with deep care, with effectiveness, and with peace. And they don't seem weary about it. They don't seem like they're about to crack or like they're falling apart at the seams. They just respond with this grace and this strength and this peace. My friends, I promise you, I promise you this. This person is someone who has been practicing living a life of proactivity. Their life is intentional, prioritized, and organized to be able to navigate through life's chaos and uncertainty. And I'm not saying that this makes it not hard work. Is it hard work for them? Yes. Is it still uncertain for them when they're in crisis? Yes. Is there still sadness and fear when they're in crisis? Absolutely, my friends. But here's the difference, is that they are prepared to show up for all of that and choose it with intention as part of their mission in life and create solutions and movement forward that is a product of a proactive life and that contributes to their proactive life. And my friends, in life, you will recognize these people because they just seem to not be swayed from what is important to them. So I'm not talking about the times that they're acting, that there's crisis going on in their life and they're struggling. I'm talking about just in their day-to-day actions. You will notice these people because it's like they just, you notice this unswayable characteristic to them. Their actions are so intentional. They just appear so clear, so obvious. They seem certain even when life seems uncertain. They show up and they just create and they seem unstoppable. My friends, these are the people that you feel magnetically drawn to. And you're just like thinking to yourself, what are they doing in their life that seems like they're just able to navigate life with such ease? I promise you this, because I know a lot of us will slip into the idea, oh, it's just because their life is easier. I promise you it's not because their life is easier. Their life is 50-50 just like yours. 50, 50% good, awesome, comfortable, and I'm doing the things that I, I'm, I'm comfortable with and good at and I've practiced that. And 50%, this is hard. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is uncertain. I'm scared. I'm afraid. They have that too. It's not because their life is easier. It is because they have been practicing a proactive and intentional life that is aligned with and centered in their authentic values in life. Their mission is clear to them. They're excited about it. They're taking important actions daily that they know will bring them closer to accomplishing their mission. Even when easier, more popular, more comfortable options for action are available to them. They choose the action that will serve their mission best. And they do that with excitement. I want you to wrap your head around that. It's not because these people have an easier life. It's because of how they've chosen to look at it and how they've chosen to show up for it. With proactivity, knowing their mission, knowing their values, knowing who they are at their core and what they're here to do, and not allowing urgent distractions or comfortable distractions to sway them. Their mission is clear and they're excited about it. And they will follow it through. And I know you all out there listening are capable of showing up as these people too, These people that you see and admire aren't different kinds of people than you. They're just like you. They've just chosen to take different actions that you are telling yourself that you're not able to take. That's the difference. I want you to begin considering that and thinking about that. 
My friends, I know this is a deep topic. As always, we always talk about deep topics on here, and I'm not going to apologize for that. And the ways in which this reactivity and crisis management shows up in people's lives and the solutions for it are so, so, so vastly different from person to person. In this podcast format, format, there's just really, there's really no way for me to cover it all. I want you to understand that. This podcast doesn't do the topic justice for covering it all. And if I tried to cover it all, it would just confuse you. So I want you to understand that, yes, this was deep. There's so much more to this topic to explore. So many more ways in which this, maybe the surface level awareness and understanding that you're starting to see can go more authentically into your life in a way that aligns with you and in a way that will show you your clear path forward. So I want to encourage you, if you listen to this and you noticed some of the patterns that I spoke about in this episode, if you notice those in your life, if you notice some of the thoughts and feelings that I described here, I want you to first of all, Be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. We're not going to be mean. We're not abusing ourselves here. We're not bullying ourselves. There's nothing broken about you, nothing wrong with you. And I want you to understand you don't have to change anything to be worthy of love and acceptance. Okay? I'm not telling you you have to change anything about you to be worthy of love and acceptance. But what I am saying is if you notice that pull to acknowledge a pattern of reactivity in your life, if you feel that nudge, and see that it keep, it's keeping you from showing up in your life in the way that you want to. If you notice that, if you feel that, I want to encourage you to offer yourself some love and compassion by reaching out. Get help. Work with a coach to work through these patterns to find your authentic way into a life of proactive and empowered, fulfilling action. My friends, you are so worthy of a fulfilling life of empowered action. So reach out. You can find all of my links in the show notes to reach out. You can leave me thoughts, comments, questions on social media, in email, wherever you want. My links are in the show notes. If you want to work with me or you're curious to see if you want to work with me, then on my website, which is www.slch.ch, you can schedule a free discovery call and discuss this with me. My friends, this discovery call is free. There is no money required and no obligation, okay? If you don't wish to work with me, you don't have to after that call. If you know already now you don't wish to work with me, but you want to work on this, then I want to encourage you, reach out and find another life coach who you feel drawn to to work with in this area. I promise you, my friends, that shifting this in your life, it will be the life changer for you. Not a life changer, the life changer. So reach out, get help. As I said, all of my links are in the show notes. All right, start proactively creating that fulfilling life that you keep hoping you will have time for later. It's not going to just happen for you later, my friends. You have to reach out and grab it like you deserve it because you do. All right? I love you all so much. I want you to go out and fill your week with value-centered and proactive actions. Start feeling unstoppable in your life. And I can't wait to hear all about it. So hit me up on social media, okay? And until we talk next week again here, ciao. Hey, thank you for listening in this week. 
I hope you enjoyed the content of this episode. If you did, please subscribe or follow this podcast to receive the newest episodes every week as I bring them to you here on the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. Ratings, reviews, and comments are always appreciated. These allow me to know more of what my listeners would like in the podcast and allow for more people who may be searching for a podcast just like this one to find the Connect Your Health to Life coaching channel. If you would like more information about me and the work that I do with my clients one-on-one, then please visit my website at www.slch.ch. Again, that is www.slch.ch. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at sethlusk underscore coaching. Again, that is sethlusk underscore coaching. And on Facebook in my free Facebook group community called A Healthy Life Connection. We would love to have you in the group, and it's only three membership questions that you have to answer to join. And again, it's entirely free. And if you need any further information or just want to say hello, feel free to send me an email directly at slusk.health at slch.ch. Again, that is slusk.health at slch.ch. Thank you again so much for listening, and I look forward to our next time together. Ciao.